Check one, two, check one, check one, check one, check one. Good evening, everybody. I always forget to turn down the delay. Hey, welcome everybody. How are you? How are you there in Berlin? Because I think everybody's joining us from Berlin, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hello, welcome down. Good to see you all. Yeah, very nice uh, seeing you all too, and the uh, US as well. <laughs> Not the first time. Wow. <laughs> so nice. tonight we have um, Colleen uh, back on the show. Hello, Colleen. Hello, hello to everyone on YouTube and Twitch. Good to see you on the other side. <laughs> Colleen, Colleen, uh, queen of the machine drum. <laughs> <laughs> well. You're soon to be king, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, let me first introduce. Um, uh, we'll our get other into that. Yeah, our, our, our other guest. Um, uh, also joining us from Berlin are uh, Dataline, Cenk, and S. Welcome, guys. Good to see yeah. you guys. Um, I can see. Um, uh, I guess you are. This is uh, Cenk's studio, right? So uh, we're joining uh, in Cenk's spaceship. And you can see that they are really good friends because they're sitting together and Cenk has given S the nice chair. Um, yeah. Yes, that's actually something you notice. That's very interesting. Yes, you're, such a good friend. Is, you're such a good friend. You're such a good friend. But you do have really nice pillows, actually. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine what it is without them. Yeah, well, you win on flair, though. <laughs> <laughs> you can swap if you want an hour later. No, I'm good. Stop <laughs> Yeah, Colleen referred to um, uh, the machine drum situation because uh, I must admit, I mean, I've had like uh, uh, several electron devices, but I only the last week got my first machine drum. Oh. <laughs> I'm 20, le 20 years late to the party, but uh, yeah, I don't know why, why I overlooked it. I, you know, but um, I love it so far. It's amazing. Mm. It's a really freaky box. And the thing is, I'm, I'm using it as a, more like an augmented uh, drum layer to my other drums at the moment. Because mm. it's so freaky and you can get it so, you know, it's really sound designy and you can get really glitchy with it and stuff. Um, so it's, not, it's a nice complement to the more sort of straightforward yeah. um, I, stuff that I have. It works super um, well for stuff like that, I've always found. Like Because, like, yeah. it, in itself, it can get a bit too freaky at times. So layering it with stuff is really where it shines, I think. Yes. But um, I, I could say, um, I don't know if you guys have heard about it, but there's a new machine drum OS, uh, which is an unofficial one. Uh, and that one is, like, kind of they fixed the, the freaky side of it. Uh, I find myself today able to tame that weird side of it, make much more melody contact out of it, I would say. You mean you mean that uh, software? Is it is it one point seven one? No, it's on Electronauts. If you go, there is the unofficial firmware for the machine yeah. drum yeah. that you can find it. That is called X O four. Okay. Um, yeah, and, I think uh, that's yeah. what you sent me, Yakum. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah bad at names, but what what is the the difference? Uh, what is what does it fix? You said it fixes. Yeah, I mean, when I say fixes, I mean this is my in my opinion, my the way that I use it. Uh, that is this, uh, the tonal factor, which uh, you can tune uh, the, some of the machines uh, tonally. So every two two parameters is a semitone. Um, for me, I can make melodies like that much easier now. Before ah. I had to really try the hard, uh, 
you know, try hard to get this melody because the pitch wasn't. Uh, yeah, it was just. What's the name? The, the actual terms. You know? Well, it wasn't tonal. It was yeah, like it was just tonal, pitch, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just like some, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, it had some notes that almost lined up, but it didn't really do any like actual tuning before. Right. Now it, I think it's quarter tones, yeah. like so. It's like twenty-four tet, I guess. Mm-hmm. Equal increment. Okay, uh, that's good. But uh, but uh-huh. some some of the some of the functions are uh, they do have logical divisions. I, I mean, at least in I know in the octa track, you know, like the resolution of some some of the things yeah. are are timed to certain positions of the uh, the parameters. So you always mm-hmm. know. Okay, if I do twelve, I'm there. If I do twenty four, I'm there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. If I have like I do samples on the machine drum, and it's always the three. Six, you know, you go up semitones in the power of three. Right. Yeah. So it's like, but it's, I don't know, I always sample them r- wrong, probably. So they're always like, eh, <laughs> it's all relatively. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure if that uh, the tonal selection uh, is, uh, is available on the sample playback. Machine. I think the sample playback is. I can't remember. Yeah. I it doesn't even need it. If it can do it by, by the power of three. I guess, yeah. But, yeah. but all the synth stuff is like yeah, tuned to nothing, and now yeah. it's tuned to twenty-four tet. So, so that's one thing. Yeah. And then there's the there's a few different waveforms that you can play around, like a sawtooth and uh, like some more voices, more voices, polyphonic. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great update, but you know, it's still the machine drum. What it makes <laughs> it great is what it is. But um, yeah. this addition is really, you know, in my workflow, it allows me to work with the machine much better, actually. It's yeah. I really recommend yeah, you to check it out. I guess it makes sense for you because your music is quite melodic and, um, yeah, like tuned to scales and stuff like that, you know. So I can imagine that works better for you. Um, I also should uh, make a housekeeping shout out. Um, people who are watching this on uh, YouTube and Twitch, welcome. Good to see you here. And you can ask questions and, and send comments in uh, YouTube and Twitch, and we will be able to throw them in whenever relevant, or we ignore them <laughs> if they're irrelevant. <laughs> if you're lucky, um, we ignore them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but welcome everybody who is um, who is uh, joining us here. Um, uh, yeah, thirty drop. Yeah, yeah. Someone who knows who the electro machines work. Well, actually, yeah. I think that's the most. Um, uh, the, the sort of the most frequently uh, mentioned thing, you know, you, on because we we discuss all gear from any manufacturer, but uh, very ma- often, very often, uh, electron gear comes up, and then um, it's sort of like um, um, you either gel with it or you don't. Seems to be the case for most people, you know, and. Um, um, I mean, it's got a particular way of doing things, and once you get into that sort of whole ecosystem, that the whole way of thinking, um, it's the fucking most amazing thing because it's so deep and flexible and 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 fluid. Uh, but if you just want something that you know makes noise straight out of the box, um, with no manual reading, then it can be uh, a bit intimidating. Let's mm-hmm. maybe call it that, you know. <laughs> but. Um, uh, the, the the most most uh, you know fre- frequently heard thing is um, that nobody actually uses these machines um, the same way. You know, everybody has their own way of doing things, and there are multiple ways to to reach the same result. 
Um, and um, yeah, that's one of the things that is um, probably the most common thing if, 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 if that comes up, you know. Um, I mean, the, uh, for me, uh, I'm using, I, I've basically, I, I use the OctaTrack to play live and I'm using it really, really simply for, for my live shows. And uh, in the studio, I like to really get deep into it and sculpt sounds and, you know, go sort of all the way, you know, just make it as a sound sculpting machine, basically. Mm. <laughs> um, I mean, it's like it holds true for any instrument. I think, like, uh, you know. and I mean, Oops. I don't know if they're. Yeah, I don't know yeah, what's going on. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they're that hard. If you think about like uh, like uh, hardness to use, <laughs> if you want to say that as like some kind of uh, measurement to like functions available, it's not that bad. I don't think. Yeah. No, it's not that bad, but uh, it's it. I mean, some machines l allow you to to um, uh, to work with them, and they have a, a, only one way to do things. And um, if you, um, for example, the the some people use the octa for just uh, as a MIDI sequencer. Mm -hmm. Some some people are really focusing on the resampling stuff and the live sampling stuff, and others are uh, using it as a sort of like a, a drum machine or whatever you know. Yeah. Um, so. Um, yeah. yeah, and I mean, on that note, I think that's kind of where this stems from. Is like, I mean, the Octatrack is, I think, probably Electron's most popular device, at least most well known, besides the Digitech, maybe in other circles. But that one is, it has like all the features ever. But if you use it as only a drum machine, it's not that hard to use. But like, if someone comes with it and don't know really what they want to do and just look at the features, it's insane. <laughs> and I think that's that's kind of where the the thing maybe stems from a little bit. Yeah. Your sound your sound is going a bit weird, uh, guys. Yeah, What's, I've, uh, been, I've been seeing it on the screen as he's struggling with the thing. The, the gain is jumping. Yeah, I don't know. Why. I think it's the auto adjustment. From yeah. The, yeah. This is good. Don't touch okay. it. <laughs> yeah, I think for some reason the uh, StreamYard interface with the mic volume is uh, interacting with our Fireface, okay. which is really weird. <laughs> but anyway. This is fine. This sounds is great. Good. Okay, cool. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Sounds great. Okay, so... so Sorry about um, that. No worries, no worries. So um, I think everybody uh, or most people have seen seen uh, Cheng's live shows or uh, you know the stuff that he does for uh, uh, you know demonstrating uh, the gear and and uh, uh, maybe they've even listened to your albums. You are um, very much using your your gear as um, in a live way, right? Your 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 music comes together uh, as a performance. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah, totally. You can say that. Um, yeah. I mean, to, to break it down in a very basic way, I'd say, yeah, I have, there's one song that I know that I was going to sound when every track is unmuted on the setup that I have, uh, which has electron gear and other stuff. Um, and then I would unmute those and change the parameters according to how I'm playing. And so that gives me a platform where I can compose the music and also, while I'm playing it, I can play it different each time that I'm playing it back. So it has this improvisation and this compositional side to it. Yeah. So, uh, so, so basically, you you make like your patterns and your you you make your sounds and patterns and 
program samples and shit like that. And then, um, you know, the final incarnation of whatever you want to do is a performance, basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the latest way that I'm working. I mean, throughout the years, I've been doing this quite some long time now. And it's very scary when I look at the calendar, the numbers are just adding up. But it's also it's a nice thing to look back and see what's been done, what are, you know, what we, in the past year. Um, it's... Uh, it changes over time. I mean, years ago, I used to do the live shows without having any presets or patterns organized. I would just do it there. That would be very tricky, but it also gave a very nice buzz, adrenaline rush or something mm. like that. I don't know. And then I noticed that, oh, when I hear my recordings, oh, that doesn't sound very good. No, I, <laughs> so, I hear you. Yeah, I guess with me, my judging my own music, my the way that I perform and make has changed as well. So kind of mm. influencing myself, I guess, in that way. Yeah. Um, um, well, so, yeah, there's, it's changed honest, a lot, uh, but that's the current way that I would play. And um, there have been times that I would do it like that, and other times where, yeah, the memory card doesn't work. The Octatrack's memory card was lost. Yeah, just do totally random stuff. Just do it, and it worked out a few times. Yeah. Yeah, there's something to say about that that um, um, that feeling of being in in total danger, you know, like uh, <laughs> having no nothing planned and nothing prepared. Uh, maybe just um, your source material or like a bank of, of of sounds or whatever, and then just come up with everything on the fly. I actually quite like it. I, I'm not sh- I'm not saying it works every time, mm-hmm. but uh, the moments that it does come together are are fucking stellar, man. That that's just the yes. best feeling ever. It's really fun to perform that way too, <clears throat> but it it is it is stressful. Like I used to do that a lot. Just go to shows with like an empty electron machine and just whack something out, basically, uh, which you know worked eight times out of ten, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know there comes there. There's definitely a risk factor to it that got uh, way too stressful at some point. Um, but it is fun. It's a very fun way to perform. I think. It does get stressful. Yeah. Yeah. But you it depends need on some where you are, what the environment is, I think. If you're trying yeah. to, like, you know, you're in a festival or something, like, it's not really a good call to, like, you know, or you're performing <laughs> after, you know, a DJ who's, like, you know, really bringing, like, bangers. So, but I think for me, it definitely depends on what is the environment, what, how much I prepare. Mm. Yeah, it's more the art gallery approach. Yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> the art gallery approach is not so great on so, so, uh, <laughs> Tried it. I don't know. <laughs> so, Colleen, is there, in, in, uh, in your case, would you say there is a range from being like unprepared and, and just having um, you know, an idea and, and a bunch of sounds and like almost full-blown... Um, prepared set is there is is there is that on an axis or is it either that or completely well, improvised it's, it's prepared and then depending on how comfortable i feel i can go off the program but i always have everything prepared and but how far i go off into different directions depends on how the sound is you know if everything's working you know which there you know, you have the wrong mixer and it's like not enough channels so you're like okay well i guess i'll do this way then <laughs> so it depends on yeah it's basically um prepared 
but then I have an opportunity to meander and experiment if I feel comfortable, which if I feel comfortable, then I definitely want to do that. Yeah. It's more, it's more fun. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I would say it's the, it's the, uh, you know, it always also gives you something, uh, back, you know, if, if you feel you are, uh, kind of doing what you already thought of, uh, when you were preparing your stuff, like it more, it sounds more like a, a playback yeah, um, yeah. situation and, and you don't really get the same, I mean, it, it's stressful, but the stress also introduces the, um, yeah, the, the feeling of, uh, you have to really come up with something and you were like in sort of hyper focus, really in the moment going along with whatever is happening yeah. and kind of reacting to yourself really, you know? So, yeah. and, um, and I believe, the audience can actually feel that, you know, it's, mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. it's much more, um, exciting to see somebody kind of struggle <laughs> and then all of a sudden things click together and it's, it's magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Right? Yeah. yeah. And it's, and even if you like, even if you prepare everything, it never sounds like it never, like it never is the same. So even if you, even if I try to like prepare everything, it doesn't work anyway. So <laughs> I just, ha- you know what I mean? I'm like, ah, whatever. So it's just like, I have a general framework and certain patterns lined up certain sequences, certain samples, but they always come together in a different way. Yeah. So, you know, it could perform the same prepared live set, you know, a million times and it would be completely different every time <laughs> just because yeah. I can't remember what I was supposed to do. <laughs> like, ah, Okay, I guess I'll go with that. <laughs> so and they so also have a weird sampler that if I accidentally, uh, it's the tip top one in my case. Mm-hmm. So there's no display. So you just have to like click it. You have to just turn it. You have to make a playlist and then turn it. And if you, if it doesn't trigger the turning, then you're on the wrong sample and then everything else is wrong. So that happens all the time to me. So I'm like, okay, you have to make sure that that works. Yeah. So, or, or you have to, or you have to go all around to reach the same yeah. position in the and then yeah. I, And then there's like 12 or 20 samples on there. So you literally can't even do that. So it's like, there's so, it has to be flexible because I will do it wrong frequently. Uh, it's, actually, it's actually a nice, a nice sort of randomized, um, factor to have in your uh, in your arsenal, you know. That's that's a good Just way of looking some, at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you see it at the time that way, but yeah. So. I would I would I would describe it like that because it's um, <laughs> you know you kind of know what's going to be next, but if you miss right. it, it's all going to be you know uh, everything else is going to be different from yeah. there. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Whether for better or worse, sometimes for yeah. better. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. One so, thing I remember is that during the sound check, it would always, you know, doesn't matter how much I was prepared or anything. During the sound check, you would check how, is, you know, the sound system is and how it's reacting and how it sounds there. Yeah. One thing I remember every time is the kicks. It wasn't right for me, to what my machines were set to do, because I tweaked them as exactly I want in the studio with my headphones or whatever. Then you go to the venue and it's totally different. And the way that I set it up on the electron machines is that, yeah, you have to go to each kit or each part or whatever and change them. That's something that uh, I remember being, like, very um, yeah, tricky and uh, very, like, 
I would even ask myself, yeah, what's the point of getting prepared if it's not going to sound exactly the same on the venue? Yeah. And at those moments that I would find myself that, you know, I would end up playing a pattern that I thought it was going to sound great, but no, the bass is not right because the venue sound system is different to what I'm yeah. hearing yeah. at home. And then you would start tweaking it and then it would really fit in. Mm -hmm. You know, what you were saying right. earlier, like somebody struggling and then the sound is coming together. <clears throat> it's kind of a combination of all those things. And talking about all this, I realized I've missed this thing about spin like a year. I know. Yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I used to play a lot of live sets in 2019 with two digitones. And I always used the high pass filter with a lot of resonance for the kicks to get it really low end. But that way you could also always tune it to the sound system so you could find the resonant frequency and just make it absolutely obliterate the room, which is a really nice little fine tune. Yeah. <laughs> and would you do that uh, during the set or during sound check or just on the fly? Bit of when both. You, when... both. Right. Bit okay. of both. <laughs> yeah, because an empty room sounds different than a room with yeah. people so whatever oh, yes. you do during sound check might be all out of the window yeah you always have to nudge it a little bit you know? yeah yeah, yeah. 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 i just saw a question from sonder bring it back in because that was actually a nice yeah, interesting good question yeah like here we go what would be your tips for someone doing an improv live set for the first time <laughs> Ooh. Just practice a lot, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. then find the gear that you're comfortable with. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's one thing. I mean, it depends if you want to do it hardware or software based, but either way, if you're going to perform, you need to have some knobs and buttons, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. So it's either a MIDI controller or a drum machine or things. Yeah, I think that would be the first thing. And oh, I mean, I don't know if this is good advice, but from what I can say is that try to be inspired by yourself rather than other people. That's one thing that I can look back in how I've uh, been thinking of making music and yeah, maybe doing it like that, like not what everybody else is using, but what I'm really actually would be comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, mm. Something like that. Hard to explain. But yeah. No, well, there's, a, there's, of course, there's a technical aspect to it and also uh, a more sort of um, uh, artistic side to it, you know, like I think you touched on both, you know, um, of mm. course you have to um, as an artist in any way always do what you believe in of course you know that's, that's like uh, the you know as soon as you start um, compromising to other people or you know to a scene or whatever then uh, whenever that changes you have to change too you know because so you know you'll never be comfortable with your your own kind of uh, thing so yeah I guess that's that's very true but I would say technically um, yeah I would say really know your the range of your um, your setup and make a choice to not bring too much because if you if your setup is too big it becomes uncontrollable it becomes too much to handle and it's too much thinking going on and if it's too small you're just standing there you know watching the patterns go by you know playing by itself so there has to be some middle ground where you where you can make uh, dramatic movements with very little uh, um, controls, you know. It, mm -hmm. I think that would be the best thing, just to to have like a, a big influence on whatever is uh, being played in the room. Uh, so, like panning of hi hats or something is not relevant, you know. Nobody's going to hear that. But um, you know, changing patterns or uh, 
you know, taking out the bass or making dramatic movements in, in whatever way is something you really need to have under your fingertips and you have to know exactly where they are. You have to be completely fluid with it. Like, basically, your life setup is your instrument, so you have to really know your instrument really well. So, yeah, practice, I would say, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, like, not like, um, like you said, go easy on the gear selection. Like, not yeah. too much. And yeah, not exactly. too less either. Love, huh? <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> a Swedish word for... Yes, yeah. just, like middle, just, you know? right. just, just right, you know? Because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a very good point. It's like, I, I haven't been through this. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get the strong machine. Now. It's going to be amazing. Well, you get it, and it's like, well, hang on a minute. You have to learn the thing, and you have to know how to do it, and you have to have the imagination to do it, and you have to have the practice and the time to do it. So, it's, it's all of that is what has to be considered. Uh, mm. But I, I think... It, Passion is also another thing that comes to my mind. You need to be really passionate about it. <laughs> and have a good idea. Yeah. Good advice. Be passionate. <laughs> Pro tip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 What, what uh, Colleen? What would, would be um, your your tip to people who want to? Well, pretty shows? much, like you guys already mentioned, it's all about knowing your setup mm. because. You know, it's basically having to just be, yeah, it has to be one with you. Mm. So whatever it is, it's going to be different for everybody, but it has to be something that you could, that you just know, like the back of your hand. Mm. Yeah. And, um, also not to be afraid. So on a psychological level, because it is really, it's all psychology and mm. improv lives that really all life sets come down to psychology, but especially improv, because you have to like be able to just relax and say, I got this. Mm. I know this breathe and not try to rush through things. And that's a really, not, that's a big know, one. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's and so hard. I know it's like, Oh, just be relaxed. You know what I mean? Of course it's not like something you can just yeah. do, yeah. but just try to, you know, be with a setup that feels comfortable and isn't too much so that you can just breathe into it and kind of, it sounds like really like, just breathe into it, you know, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like, no, it's a mindful life set. <laughs> no, but it's like, kind of really good But it kind of know. is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's a really so, good point, you know, because yeah. um, I would throw in this one, if when, when you reach the point where it sounds good, take a pause, do nothing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Know? Perfect. Because, because Step once back. you start fucking things, you know, once mm -hmm. you start moving things around again, you know, you lose that moment and, and mm -hmm. maybe in your head, it's not uh, perfect. But if once mm -hmm. you reach uh, a certain, you know, f uh, nice sound and it, and it fits the room and it's, it's going down well, you know, then uh, stick, stick with it for a while, you know, yeah, and do minor changes advice. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, that's what I always find hardest to do is like because I get bored so quickly when playing my own music. I'm like, ah, yeah. next thing, and then <laughs> next, people next, are just next, like, can yeah. we just you know listen to this? <laughs> it's boring. No, but no. like, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess like being mindful of the room is like a good. Yeah, that's what you're saying, basically. Yeah, yeah. that is the biggest challenge. It truly mm. is with every live set is not to go too fast and just to kind of. Yeah. That's hard. There's to so much adrenaline. Yeah, you're like, yeah. Ah. you just want to bust this live set out. I'm like, yeah. I yeah. also try to listen to the music, which is the same as like, feel the room. Yeah, listen yeah. to what you're playing too. Yeah, and, uh, imagine how people are going listening to it too. It's like that type of thing. You know? 
Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. so true. Yeah. Okay, uh, Zamal is asking, what about improv and being in key? Um, maybe that's a good one for um, the boys down there because I'm. Uh, I know <laughs> we know Colleen, your answer. <laughs> Co Colleen doesn't care about key, and I don't either. <laughs> it's, it's it's techno, you know. It's like I mean, in key is like I mean, it's such a, it's such a it's the weird such a weird restrict restriction anyway, you know. Because in key, what what key and um, in what, what scale yeah. and you know. Uh, things that are not not in key in in that sense could still be harmonic in in another way you know so uh, do you yeah. do you do you take care of uh, of that stuff um, in, in your life sets? do yeah. okay do you? I, I mean, I, mean I, 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 I don't really know about <laughs> you do I'm pretty sure you do well I mean it's like if you have something in key and you have something out of key I can totally hear that and that's yeah. what I want to write on basically and, yeah, so you deal so, with it in a more intuitive way, basically. Yeah, absolutely. I really use my ears and, and eyes as well. I think eyes and ears are very connected mm. in this discussion. Um, but yeah, it's um, I don't. I wish I knew about basically music theory and uh, what all the scales and which key it is in, obviously A major or whatever. Mm. Uh, it's, uh, but that's something that I've been uh, looking into and reading about and uh, trying to learn a bit lately. That's been very fun. Um, but yeah, I I don't know how to improvise in key. Basically, I would just go through the notes and find the ones that is in key of what is playing. And, you know, and some of them are not in key, but I like them. Because yeah. I remember <laughs> I from uh, making music for any kind of project I hear from somebody working it's like, oh, it's out of tune, this one. And I'm like, from, it's like, well, yeah, that, you know, it's actually pretty good, but it is out of tune. So... so Mm. Yeah. So, so do you ever um, um, make actual melody lines on the fly as well, or or are you drawing from a, a sort of uh, saved patterns, recalling recalling stuff that's already programmed, or both maybe? Both. Both. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, like I said, in, in today's working, how I work today, it was prearranged, and then I would go into places that's how it feels, and I try to listen to what I'm doing, and oh, maybe you should go to this spot, and then I change it. And yeah, I would make a melody on the fly. And but I notice is that I do, do, do totally different things to how I've been practicing in the studio when I actually play live. It's like, oh, I never did that thing, but I did it there, and I don't even know, and I can't even replicate it again. So there is that thing uh, about um, playing live, and that uh, that buzz again, coming back to that again. So, so do you have a system to preview whatever you are programming, or are you just throwing it in and hope for the best? Um, yeah, I don't have a system to preview at all. Okay. <laughs> no? it's, uh, it's the way that the, the, the machines that I use for my music, they lack in that, mm. whatever they are, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I would love to have such a thing, but no, it's not available. Well, you could do it uh, on a mixer. When when I when yeah, I do live improvisation, I really want to sorry, sorry. Yeah, I mean, when when I do live improvisations, like like the ones we do every Sunday, it's like um, uh, I just have like four or five sources connected to a DJ mixer, which is by itself a very very capable improvisation tool. You know, it's like it's made for for performance basically. 
and every channel can be queued so I have you know one synth or one thing coming in one channel and then when it's not in and I sort of want to create a new line I I do it on my headphones on on the queue you know and then when I think oh this is close enough I'll just throw it in you know and then just sort of tweak it when to make it kind of gel with whatever else is going on because you cannot always completely tell how it's going to sit in the mix you know so you know some adjustments might be adjustments might be needed but uh, it's sort of in the ballpark already you know what I mean that's the way I mm -hmm. I'm usually doing it mm -hmm. I call it Hail Mary mixing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Fingers yeah. crossed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's my technique also. Same. It depends on, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm now using a DJ mixer, but I used to just use the six, like a Mackie 16 channel, which I, uh, people tell me there's a way to cue that and pre-listen, but I've never learned how to do it. I don't know why it shouldn't be that difficult. We were like, mm. oh, why don't you just, do this and I'm like I don't know I can't ever figure it out so uh, it's now I have a little bit of ability to to uh, listen which would be nice but you I mean you are um, I wouldn't say reckless but again like you know no. you, you just don't care right it's like you just throw it in and, and deal with it yeah that's Definitely. very courageous <laughs> <laughs> but it really doesn't come from courage or a <laughs> Or, or an artistic like statement. It's just the fact that I can't figure out how to do it any other way. Well, <laughs> but it does work, and it sounds. It works, yeah. 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 If somebody could write in the comments or help me figure out how to do that on a Mackie mixer, that would be great. <laughs> isn't there a queue? Isn't Isn't there a queue on on every channel? On a, no. Not that I know of. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe well, you can may listen, but you can't listen to the rest of it. I, I don't. I'm not really sure. So right. Maybe somebody can help me. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, on most uh, studio mixes, there is a cue, you know, um, or or maybe like solo in place or something like that. Or you can maybe yeah. route it to the bus and then and then just preview the bus or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the on the mixer. Hmm. I guess. Hmm. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> getting back to the key question, <clears throat> I usually, I usually have like a favorite key for. I, I don't really know music theory either, but I do uh, think about like I love writing melodies and um, make a lot of like melody driven stuff. I guess so. I have sort of a favorite key for a couple of things. Probably a live set I do is the same key, and because that helps when if you want to throw something in there, you know yeah. what's going to be safe. And I just practice that key a lot, or like make sure it's, I have muscle memory to know which notes are in that scale. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, uh, can't, it doesn't have to be harder than that. Just learning a particular key you like and stick with it for a while. <laughs> it's, um, you can do quite a lot in just one key, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, there's more to to it than just the notes, also. Yeah. I realized that years into it, while all the tunes, the songs I made, they're in the same key. Yeah. Let's take a look around in uh, in Chang's studio. Isn't that a Commodore 64 yes, on your is. right, left for us, or right for us, left for you? <laughs> <laughs> 
Are you still using that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Commodore stuff. I'm nice. Sixty four. Yeah. Big big fan. And yeah, of course the games and also also the the music capabilities on these things is just really rad and. The way that you can combine them with today's technology and what they do as retro, uh, it's really, really cool stuff. Um, for example, here I've got like the Techno Sound cartridge. It's for the Amiga. So it's basically like an audio interface. So we have an input, like a stereo input. And you could sample it, sample the audio into the Amiga and twist it around at effects. What I really like is dropping the octave, the pitch down. And you yeah. get really nice artifacts because crunchiness. Yeah, it's, it's so so cool. I think I really enjoy it. Yeah, and, and it, I, I play a lot of games also. I'm really into that. <laughs> and, and one thing that I really like is the, the the sound effects in the games are actually, yeah, I I haven't really done, but I really want to sample and work on them. And yeah, it's, uh, especially on the Mega Drive, most of the games have got this sound test mode in the options. And you can preview those samples in the game and show them. And if you run them through like a proper uh, EQ or a distortion pedal, you get crazy cool sounds. And mm. that's something that um, uh, I, I do with these machines at time to time. And is it something that is, um, is it there because you, it's one of the things that uh, you encountered that make noise in your childhood? Or is it something you have uh, acquired on a later in your journey uh, it's, basically it's very childhood this is extreme nostalgia <laughs> is it still your this is still the same machine or have you have you no, gone through several okay yeah it's not the same i yeah i i lost a lot of i've not lost but uh, all my childhood toys and stuff and everything just disappeared i don't know i don't really remember what happened no wonder why but um and then yeah i started collecting all the stuff that uh, i wanted again And then I realized that, oh, actually, the technology has improved. You can put a SD card into it. More memory is quicker. You have this hack. And, yeah, it's, it's been a great thing for me like that. And, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you have upgraded it to to make sure it talks to modern equipment yeah. as well. You can put a right. SD card into it simply, yes. So yeah. you can drive and drop files from Internet into these. Yeah, um, that's pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. So even like they make new games for the Commodore 64. There was a we were just playing it actually, the shooter game. Uh, <laughs> it was made last year in 2020. Uh, it was one person making it. Um, and it's really really cool. Um, so it's um, for me it's very exciting the retro stuff and um, getting combined with the current digital the current stuff. And especially if you look at the musicality of it, it's very interesting. I think. So are you running any any trackers or sequencers or music apps on it, or are you just making sounds on it? Uh, both, actually. Uh, I'm not a, really a tracker person, but yes, here is uh, <laughs> very, very good at that. So I'm a kind of a noodler, and I just find the good sounds and the good workflows, the freaky, weird stuff that I find, and I capture them, and somehow I do something with it. But yeah, um, I do have a tracker on it that I really like. It's called Sound Tracker, and I yeah. bought it on a magazine, an Amiga format magazine as a child. And it was awesome to see that at that age and yeah, being presented with that musicality on your games machine as a child. It was mind-blowing. 
Yeah. I had worms. I don't know if anybody knows the game, but uh, I had worms on disc, and they had all these worm samples, like when they would get shot. Mm-hmm. And, ah, evil, whatever those sounds. So I would load them into the tracker because I didn't have any other sound. So I would rip, uh, try to rip the sounds from other games into that tracker. But nowadays, I find it too messy, uh, to, not messy, but a bit archaic to work on these trackers. Um, talking about trackers, Polyam Tracker is totally non-archaic for me. It's very inspirational. I highly rate it. Awesome stuff. Uh, talking about trackers, just randomly, but yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can remember having uh, my, one of my first experiences on a Commodore as well. I don't remember the name, but it was like... Uh, uh, some drum machine, um, like a visual, uh, like a grid, basically, with 16 steps or whatever, and then multiple rows, so you can, you know, can program your, your bass drum in the first one, your snare drum in the second one, you know, like a, sort of like a matrix, basically. I don't know, I don't remember the name. I did, maybe you know what, what which one I'm talking about. It's, it's, it was from that time, you know, so it's uh, nothing... That was developed afterwards. Anyway, but it, I was fucking mesmerized, <laughs> putting it at, um, at at you know crazy speeds and stuff like that. You know, just uh, making a bunch yeah. of noise. <laughs> and how old were you? I don't know. Probably I don't know. Maybe maybe twelve or something. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> we had a TI ninety nine, the Texas Instruments. TI ninety nine. That was our computer. <laughs> My first computer. <laughs> did it do any any musical stuff? I think it did. It was uh, a bit too much for me. I didn't understand like the ba- basic computer language and all this mm. stuff. It's like I played this game called Hunt the Wumpus. It had it has great. I actually found the samples on on YouTube from that game. So I've yet to do something with them, but they're not the best quality because they're like from a YouTube thing, but I do have them. So (laughs) nice. So what else is, is in your, uh, your cave, uh, Cheng? Um, Oh, there's also a mega drive. (laughs) Yeah. That is the, 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 the cartridge, you know more about this. Oh, Uh, you showed it to me, the Gen NB, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a MIDI interface for the for the Genesis or what's it called? A Mega Drive Genesis in the US, Mega Drive in the EU. Uh, yeah, it turns it into a little synth. Um, it's it's a pretty decent or no, it's pretty bad FM chip from Yamaha, but it's still fun. It sounds sounds you know crunchy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I sequence that with the Octatrack, so MIDI output goes into the Mega Drive controller input. And it, the cartridge turns it into an FM synthesizer. Oh, cool. And, uh, yeah, just messing around with it is awesome. And one thing is neat, the Octatrack has got the randomizer now, where you press, you can randomize your parameters on the screen. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Mm. So now you can actually do that on the MIDI tracks. So when I've set up the MIDI CCs to control the FM parameters on the Mega Drive, I can randomize it. So I'm basically randomizing external gear, the parameters. Uh, that that's really cool. So and then the output of the Mega Drive goes into the Amiga, and that's how I sound it. <laughs> so it's it's a really you know modern but archaic type of yeah. <laughs> working on that. Yes. Yeah. yeah so and so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> would you would you say, uh, Chenk, you are somebody who writes stuff uh, from an idea that you have in your head, or are you more? Uh, 
a producer who just fucks around and stumbles upon things and just go with whatever happens. Because you said you use, you know, if you talk about randomizers, that's one way to get started, you know, to get an interesting starting point. Yeah, I, I always just stumble around most of the time. Right. Uh, and other times, my music is very feeling-driven, at least in my internally. So it really depends on what's happening at the time of my life, and uh, that pushes me to make music or not make music. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that affects uh, the, the mood and the outcome that I want. I get out of it as well when I plan to do. But, you know, most of the time, it's like, yeah, I need to make music, so I need to do something. And in that case, I stumble around. Uh, yeah. And, you know, that's why there's a lot of these little gadgets that I've been saving all the years. Oh, this is nice. But, you know, that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, more more of a stumbler, I would say. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you, uh, S? Yeah, yeah. I guess I'm also more of a stumbler, honestly. I wish I had an idea when I came to write music and stuff, <laughs> but I always just want to make a nice melody and take it from there, kind of, you know? Sometimes I have ideas, but it's more like being inspired by a sound or an artist I hear, and I feel like I'm going to make something in that direction or something that uses you know, an idea you get from that and explore that a little bit. Um, yeah. So, yeah, definitely more of a stumbler. Mm. Yeah, I guess, I guess myself as well. I mean, sometimes I can, I, I, I have starting points which are purely um, sort of theoretical or even systematical, you know, mm. um, like, uh, I think about uh, a possible chain of stuff that I can I can connect, and then uh, I'm already like having fun in my head, even though um, I haven't even touched it. You know, just mm -hmm. hey, what, what would happen if I do this and this, and uh, come up with all the sort of possibilities. You know, just fantasizing about it basically while while I'm walking the dog or something, mm -hmm. or <laughs> and yeah. then and then you know, sort of so basically you know, a design system, and then. Um, the next step is to actually connect it like that and then just explore the range of whatever um, the system allows, you know. And, and from that point on, it becomes like uh, stumbling upon uh, the sweet spots that, that you start looking for, you know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely do that a bit too, like having some sort of mm, systems idea or like, yeah, what happens if I connect this this way or like um, what happens if I... I make a rhythm like this and then it's sort of at some point you know the music sort of <clears throat> guides at least me I feel like like after a certain point I'm like hearing a direction and I feel compelled to go there you know <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I don't know I have a hard time feeling like I'm in control when making music honestly <laughs> you know that's why you need randomizer <laughs> no because <laughs> <laughs> you control the randomizer <laughs> Well, you are the randomizer. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, exactly. I don't need one. No, but yeah. I don't know. It's a funny, like, I don't know. For some reason, I'm, I'm, I feel like being, like, I'm going to stumble upon her feels like I don't want to be for some reason. I don't know why. It feels like I would like to be the person that's like, oh, I had a great idea for this piece of music and I could execute that perfect or sort of to the point of what i wanted to do but i feel like i can't do that like i just you know whatever comes out comes out yeah <laughs> you know um I don't know. 
Jack Will Woods is um, asking on Twitch the average time you spend on making a track. Who wants to comment on that? Yeah, I used to be quite hard on this. Yeah, it needs to be a couple of days. That's what I would say. But yeah, that really changes. Um, yeah. I think one thing I could say is that the longer I spend on it, it's the worse it gets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, so, so you need to be considerate about the time I think you spend. And I think you mentioned it earlier uh, that, you know, when you have something nice going on, you take a break. Mm. Yeah, I was referring to playing live, but uh, it's yeah. certainly also true to a certain extent when you're in the studio, you know, if, if you... Um, yeah, the, I think it has to do with... Um, I think we all made that mistake, you know, trying to, you know, work on details and take it just a little bit further and then find yourself ending up spending like a week on a project and when you listen back to the first version you realize oh damn this was actually a lot better <laughs> you know because it had the spirit and it had the original idea and the and the sort of fire in there that that you that you heard when you were starting the idea and then when it's all programmed um, into perfection it also is becoming like a dead track you know or a dead mm -hmm. piece of music so um, yeah, there's there's definitely a balance there that you have to catch. You know, uh, some things that you can do, uh, you can improve while you're still feeling it, um, are usually good. But if if you go too far and start focusing on micro details that nobody else than you is able able to hear, um, you get into dangerous territory. And it's better to just say, okay, you know, this is as far as I. I can push it and let's call it a day and move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, all it is really making music is just moving on all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Getting to somewhere, it's a journey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no such thing as perfection. You have to draw the line somewhere. You have to draw the line and say, okay, this is as far as I can get it. And then, um, yeah, start a new idea. New ideas, starting a new idea is usually. Um, I mean, if, if you, coming back to the question, um, usually an hour or maybe two hours is is, is all it takes to to get down um, like the rudimentary version of, of your idea, you know, and then um, you can choose to perfect it or to put it into, in another context afterwards and, you know, or save it and start something new. But I would say... Uh, the tracks that come together in a few hours are usually the best ones. And um, the ones that are taking days are, you know, they give you a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge. And, you know, you gained a lot of um, uh, new insights about your equipment and the studio process and blah, blah, blah. But basically, you're just punishing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> right? How's that, you, uh, how's that for you, Colleen? You, you, uh, I think you're yeah. a fast worker, right? I am. Well, I'm yeah. a fast worker, but like you were saying about um, having ideas while you're walking the dog about like a certain way of setting something up, that's very much the same way as me. Like I get inspired by like the process or the gear or, you know, some way of working with the gear I already have, which would, when you're working with Eurorack is great because that's like so easy to do that. 
And then I just exhaust that idea like to death. And then I never need to do it again. So I'll have like periods where I'll have tracks that all, they don't sound the same, but they're all in this one pocket where I'm just like beating this idea to death and then move on to one, another thing. Uh, it's hard for me to move on from that one purging or <laughs> of whatever my idea is then to go on to the next one. So I'll create tracks really fast within a time period of maybe a month or something like just da -da 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 -da. and then I'll have, then I'll need time to recover and then come up with the new thing that I'm going to beat to death <laughs> until it's mm. done. <laughs> so that's, so for me, when I'm making the tracks, you know, when I'm recording the tracks also, it has to come together within, you know, 20 minutes or something but then <laughs> you know everything else it depends also it really depends on how you're working you know how long a track can and will take if you're you know working inside of the box i feel like it takes longer because you have to kind of i don't know the programming and the sound shaping is all kind of happening at the same time i don't know mm. I, I would find that more difficult to make it move faster if i was working on a computer but it's probably if you're comfortable with it it's probably not different but for me it's just and also the way i record is just like so but i don't record it until it's ready until it really is sounding good and then i record it Oh, okay, so you rehearse it until you think yes. you got you nailed it, and then uh, yeah, okay. and I got the percussion, I've got the basic arrangement on my mind, so that then I can do it all. Okay, so, and then you yeah. record and bang it out, and that's it. Exactly, maybe nice three one. takes <laughs> maximum, and then it's yeah. like, eh. and I don't, I just wish like when you have those magical tracks, it's so great, but then I just think. Ah, why does it take so many tracks to get to that really great one? <laughs> Which can take so many tracks to get to the magical one <laughs> where everything is just on point, you know, and yeah. there's like, you try to, you know, just all the frequencies are there just, just from recording. And then you try to make another track measure up to that. And it just never does. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Funny how that works. eh? I know it's so yeah. it's this, like irritating this... at some level, which it's great, but it's also like, ah, <laughs> the, star, the stars need to be aligned, I guess. They really do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I just saw a question from Deep Say based. Um, is your life life setup just for live performances, or do you also write or record tracks on it in the studio? What about you guys, uh, S? Mm. Yeah, uh, it's almost been the other way around for me in a way. You know, uh, I I. They mostly made music for live sets, actually, uh, and then recorded it into an album. Okay, so does, no. do you, do you do that because you is that your um, your writing process anyway, or is that a, a thing you do on purpose so you you have like this thing you have to focus on? Like if you if you if you write something for a, a live performance, you are thinking about it in a, in a different way, I guess, than mm. if you're just yeah. freewheeling, uh, experimenting in the studio. So yeah. This, this I think I like having your... a goal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I also like the idea of writing music for a crowd or like people. Um, it, it's a nice, like you can say, you know, you sit and make this track or pattern or whatever and think about like, 
oh, this would be really nice because of this and that, and like sort of envisioning <laughs> people enjoying it or something. Or you know, it's, it's a nice spur, uh, I think, uh, for me at least. Um, whereas just writing music for myself on like a lazy set Sunday is nice, but it doesn't happen that often. It's not like. <laughs> Um, there's, I don't know, I enjoy the agency, I guess, of, of having live uh, performance to, to make music for and then at some point I'm like, well, maybe I should just record this stuff. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm exactly the same. Exactly the same. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. All these things I've accumulated over, over all these live sets. Yeah. And then I'm like, and people are like, um, why don't you record some of that? Oh yeah, I probably should. That's a good yeah, idea. Like, well, <laughs> and do do you feel that you have to be uh, uh, to to get to know the material? Do you feel you have to actually have played them out before before you record no. them? No. Okay. Okay. Oh, before I record them. Yeah. So um, in in a sense, you rehearse them in in you know to maybe. The performance helps to find its final shape or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I make my live sets are really deterministic. Like I, or at least the the last few years, because I got so fed up with trying to do this hyper improvised thing. Um, so I started to think about what you know, kind of. Okay, I need to be able to play this if I'm drunk. So that was like <laughs> the starting point, and then. <laughs> And I hate having, I hate playing with a lot of gear. The most gear I've played in, played with the last four or five years is two digitomes, and that was it. And they're hooked up to each other, mm-hmm. so it's like a chain there. Um, nice. So like I've just got every pattern after each other, and it just goes in a linear fashion. Then I add, you know, I change some things up, turn on all in there, but yeah, it's, it can't go, really go wrong. And that's the way <laughs> I like it. <laughs> you know, that's a that's a really nice, beautifully um, limited and um, uh, almost min- minimalistic setup to digitones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I really. I can I can only imagine how fucking punchy and and piercing that sound must be if you if you play those two two just by themselves on a on a PA. Yeah, it must really be good. really dynamic, right? Yeah, you were routing that through each other, right? Yeah, and yeah. using the old master overdrive. Yeah, yeah, it's a good trick too. Yeah, it makes makes for a lot of fun ways to play with it. And like in a big sound system, you can really you know, go, go a little too crazy. Maybe like just I'll put a synth straight out into it. It's kind of like, <laughs> but <laughs> it's also fun. You know? uh, yeah. So yeah. your life set is two digitones. Um, and what about you, Chank? What is your Current or sort of like sometimes one. one. <laughs> yeah, I see you one. Yeah, you only rocked it with a digital keys or something. Oh, yeah, but that was only for yeah. promotion. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the question yeah is, is is nice because I try to do differentiate it because um, you know, over the years I ended up keeping the gear that the, the machines that I really like. You know, I, I and. Those gear I can't really take it when I'm playing live. My live setup is very, you know, it's kind of obvious these days. Octatrack has to be there because there is also a mixer and it's a sample playback and it's a fader. Ah, it's, yeah, it's one of the most yeah, best machines ever made, I'd say. It's, it's that type of thing. So it needs to be there. And then I need like a drum machine and a synthesizer. 
And uh, these days I change it with like either a machine drum or rhythm or something else. And the digitone is the synth as well for me. So that would be the live setup. And I have modular effects to add it to that. So that's kind of the setup that I like doing these days. And and do you decide about the setup? Uh, because you, you say you're changing it all the time. Do you decide... Uh, depending on where you're traveling to or how, what, mm. what kind of room you're expecting or something like that? or Traveling is definitely the case, well, back when it was happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it definitely was a factor. I would love to take more. Yeah. So, so that, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of saying, yeah, you, want, uh, you don't have to have too carry much. On. Carry on, carry <laughs> on. But for me, no, I, I want to have a, big setup that is like uh, yeah it's gonna have a lot of tricks there a lot of stuff that I want to do there when I'm doing it um, um, so in the studio that's I work differently the octatrack becomes a MIDI sequencer as well and it controls all the other stuff that I cannot take and it goes back into the octatrack I sample it and then I use that material for live or whatever purposes so um, it's, uh, it's I use different setups like that And I also like make different music for live and different music when I'm in the studio. Uh, because when, when I'm playing live, I'm really limited to the setup that I have. It's carryable. It makes sense to set it up and carry it and blah, blah. And it's tweakable. It looks cool, blah, blah. Uh, but in the studio, yeah, it's, everything is possible. Anything is possible, basically. Mm. I like to think like that in the studio. Um, Without the computer. I mean, the computer, that's a different thing. The computer comes in when I have made the stuff that I like to do it on the hardware and then I have the idea and then I produce it there. That's the way yeah, you mean like you, you generate it with your hardware and then you yes. multi-track? Uh, yeah. Oh, no, I don't do multi-track, uh, no. Okay, just record, uh, basically. Yeah, just record the stereo out. I get the good mix on the okay. and record it out. And then I, you know, it produce it on the computer. Sausage. Right, so <laughs> <laughs> sausage <laughs> making, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I think most people who are watching this or the people in the comments, I've already seen uh, a few things about uh, the video work you do and the uh, performances you that we can basically find everywhere online. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I must say. Uh, as a live performer myself, um, I rarely see people who are that fluid on on their machines. I mean, it's uh, it's just a compliment I wanted to throw in. You, you are just insanely. There's it seems there's like absolutely no barrier between mm -hmm. your mind and and what comes out musically. You know, there's like almost the machines are almost transparent. You are just flying all over the place with them, and you you seem to really know them completely by heart, which is. Um, It's astonishing to watch. It's really, really yeah. cool. Thank you. Um, I mean, yeah, I spend a lot of time on them. I think that's very obvious. <laughs> Is there yeah. anything, anything in, in, in those machines you haven't discovered or do you know really every single thing that's in there? Um, yeah, I think I know pretty much everything apart from the song modes. Uh, song modes? I, yeah, I really like the machine drum and the mono machine song modes. They're just I think, spectacular really cool where you can change which step that it will start and and i really like that type of playback i'm trying to program. figure that out actually 
It's, really so, there, it's, unbel- it's so much. I'm like, I couldn't, I, I was short circuit when I tried to figure it out. I'm like, okay, I can't do that. Yeah. You can start it in like the middle of the pattern or something mm-hmm. even. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. insane. And you can change the step lengths. It's insane. You can assign oh, wow. different DPMs and uh, new states. It's really cool. Um, so, but then on Octatrack, there's, it's called the arranger that I don't know about. Um, on the analog fours, yeah, the song mode. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's never been my thing, and I, I, I know it as much as I need to know it. That's the way that I can comment about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but the rest of the stuff that I'm in, yeah, I, uh, like I said, I spend a lot of time on these machines. Uh, spent, I'd rather say. Yeah, um, yeah, um, and but you always find tricks, right? Or yes, that's a very good point. Point. You can know the features, but there are different ways to use those features. Yeah, and that is a trick. Mm. Uh, so you, that's one thing I can say that I'm still discovering different ways to use those features totally. Um, so it always changes, even though you know it, you never know it all. Yeah. And that's kind of the beauty of these machines, whether it's electron or not. Uh, mm. There are other machines that does, does have these type of things as well. Yeah. But over time, you kind of master it. It's a bit like gamification. You level up. You know, all my archery is level 16 now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like I said in the, earlier in the chat, you know, it's like um, the electron machines are uh, basically, you can basically look at them as modular machines almost, you know, they're, they're pretty open ended. And uh, well, I wish one of them was modular. I mean, you know, the, the way it's set up, you know, it's not like one function is always attached to another. You can just freely move things around and make connections in, in, inside and stuff, um, however you want. Um, and that causes basically to pe- for people to develop their own ways of working with it, you know. I mean, there's if you have a s- more simple drum machine or, or sequence thing, um, there are usually two ways to, to enter th- stuff into it, which is, you know, in step or in real time. And that's pretty much your only two choices. Mm-hmm. And um, with Electron, it, the, the Electron stuff is, it takes a bit more time to get used to it. But it, once you find the power, you know, once you find the, the yeah, your way of doing things, it's, it's uh, insanely flexible. It's crazy. Yeah, um, I mean it's it's a blessing and a curse. With yeah, <laughs> exactly. Especially if you if you if you decide to move to something else for like six months and come back to it, it's like oh my god, yeah. what's, how did it work? Uh-huh. Okay. It reminds me of uh, it reminds me of when we were implementing the portamental on um, <laughs> some keys, I think. And I mean, just to get some uh, like a little peek into why there are so many options like how <laughs> I was just like yeah just add a slide knob please and then they came back like, yeah probably wouldn't if it goes down or if it goes up if it's polyphonic if it's so you know um, it's just a lot of you know there's a lot of bright minds around this like all of these like they see all of these different paths I use we could take and I think Electron just has a history of, of uh, trying to accommodate for a lot of that and, and I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's both good and bad. Sometimes it can get, you know, that's where the oh electron is so difficult. Menu diving comes in, which I think is a fair point uh, to some extent. Uh, but it is it is pretty funny with some cases like that where it thinks that should, you know, be straightforward. Like, yeah, we need this function. But then, you know, you 
see all these things, but then again, it also leads to these different workflow perspectives you can have, which is cool. But it's a balance, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, as yes, you moved on and um, started doing your own um, instruments, right? Yes, that's can you, correct. Can you tell us a bit about um, the Force stuff that you've been uh, working on? Yeah, so uh, Force is a project between me and my partner, Felicia. And we basically come up with concepts for stuff we want to do. Usually are like yeah, synths and effects and, and you know whatever... Um, software is our uh, target at the moment. And yeah, we, we kind of both have sort of an uh, more a wish to see stuff that is a bit more straightforward and focused and kind of, you know, like a, a good instrument has like things very boiled down for you so you can like navigate that, you know, maybe not blind, but almost, or, you know, it, it's like very subjective in what it contains, like the parameters or whatever. That's that, that's kind of our like our our mindset from the from the get go, and then we get like some ideas here and there. We're like, oh, we want to make this thing, and then I go away for a while and like come out come out from my hole at four a.m. and it's like, ah, I got this oscillator or whatever, <laughs> and uh, kind of make that into some sort of product. Um, but yeah, uh, it's been going quite well, which is cool. And uh, we've got a new release around the corner, which I'm excited about. Um, it's going to be pretty, pretty good, I think. And yeah. I, I assume you're not going to spoil that here. No. <laughs> Jim can say The one thing I can spoil that is totally rad. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Really, fair enough. really cool. Very nice. Yes. Uh, yeah. Instantly, uh, yeah, sold. Yes. Uh, <laughs> really, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Can't wait to get my hands on this. Honestly, yes. So the the collection so far consists of, um, I believe, um, uh, a synth, a delay, and a sequencer, right? That's, um, that's the yeah. Point. So there's um, it's a bit muddled in that. Like we have like one sort of package that's like these three um, devices you mentioned, and then there's another synth. That came out before that also has the same sequencer, but we made it available like as its own thing later on. Um, yeah, so uh, we got like a little FM synth slash wavetable um, and a little super saw ish synth that's also actually an FM synth um, under the hood, at least. And uh, then um, a little crazy delay uh, reverb ish thing. Um, and the new thing. Will be out soon. <laughs> <laughs> Going in uh, I guess, directions at once, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. I actually checked out uh, the, the delay, and um, uh, it's it's more than just a standard delay, right? It's yes. this sort of like blurry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's in, in one range of the of the delay that you can get things like as if they were, um, uh, yeah, like sort of blurred out, right? That's uh, that sounds a bit. Yeah. It's, it's quite unusual. I don't. I haven't seen many delays that do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how is that done? Is that like a granular granular synthesis? No, 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 no. It's just it's just diffusion. It's just the the technical answer is all pass filters, which is sort of the basis of a reverb. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a few delays that do this, like the Valhalla delay does it, for example. It's the diffusion parameter. But what it does is sort of introduce this Weaver technology into one delay line, sort of. So like each echo will start to get softer um, to the point where it's sort of becoming a Weaver. And that's just something I, I like myself. Like all, all these things just come from making music and finding like stuff you like to do with maybe, you know, you have like a, a few different plugins that you chain together in a certain way and you're like, oh, what if I, you know, made a thing out of this setup or whatever. And that certainly comes from stuff like that where I'm like, oh, this uh, delay through like a short reverb, where I think that sounds cool. Then I want to do like a thing that does that. And then it kind of, you know, uh, you sort of start exploring what else you can do with that and parameterize it into uh, an instrument. And yeah, then I added a pitch shifter and a bunch of stuff and it just became this crazy little effect. Um, yeah. So is 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 that something that is um, at the basis of of the concept, like something you wish you had and can't find in in any any other instruments, or um, or do you have a really sort of? Um, I mean, it must be something you you want to use yourself, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I think that's important. Um, but yeah, I mean. For me, I'm like just really into synthesis, <laughs> so I can be like, "Oh, I want to explore this method of generating sound," and then you know that might take a few months uh, of just collecting different ways to use a certain technology, and at some point, I, I start formulating an idea of how that could look like in like a, an actual. Uh, instrument or like a more a package you know so it comes both from that and also like the desire of having a specific something um yeah um. awesome yeah i would uh, i would definitely encourage people to check it out there's some really uh, really cool stuff uh, yes. happening there um yeah there was one thing that um i wanted to ask uh, chenk as well um you are your stuff that that you release on on your Bandcamp page, you accompany it uh, quite often with uh, tutorials or videos or yeah. you know, sort of explanations of what uh, you know how it came about and stuff like that. Is that something? Um, do you feel you need to educate people about it or explain your music? What is what is the what is the thought behind that? Um, thought behind is a lot of people ask and they wonder about these things. And I see that there is an interest and demand for it. And so I think it works out well. So it's like an extra service. <laughs> yeah, I would say that totally. And right. I want to share what I discover in my studio to people. This right. is kind of like, yeah, I enjoy doing that. I enjoy talking about it. And I enjoy telling people that, oh, this is what happens when you do it like this and you can use it like this. Um, I mean, that's, that's one part of me that I really like is yeah, finding out this stuff and showing it to people. Especially my music creation, uh, enjoy doing that. Um, and also, a lot of people have requested this over the time. I remember hearing it from many people. Like, oh, you know, it would be great. That's how to to see how you're making that track and how you're using the octa track, or can I download the files and all that stuff. So it's a service that uh, is being yeah requested throughout the years a lot. Yeah, how do you do that and uh, all that stuff? So. 
Yeah, that, that's basically so cool. A, oh, yeah, it's really cool. But I, 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 I think that some, you know, it's actually quite courageous you do that because it's a, you kind of open up the process to to other people and. I can imagine some people, some other artists would say, ah, this completely demystifies the whole thing, you know? Like, uh, if you explain everything, what is there to, um, you know, not to enjoy, but how can you still keep a sort of an open ear to whatever you're hearing? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That would be, I, I, I would, you know, it's not, it's not my, I, that I'm saying that, but it's, it could be an argument, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the music is like, it's mostly instrumental, abstract electronic music and whatever people experience listening to it is the most important thing, not really how it's made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the measures of people I ended up talking yeah. to is on the other side of the fence, how it is made. And I'm one right. of them. Yeah. Mean, I have a bad habit. It's like when there's a live performance, well, when there was, um, yeah, I would look on the stage and the music's great. No problem with that. But if it's a laptop, I'm turned off. Uh, honestly, this is my problem. And so this is, it comes from that. It's like, I find it really cool to be able to pull off these tracks on just hardware. And I think this should be shown and told, you know, because it's pretty lame when somebody comes to me and says, are you a DJ? And, you know, it's kind of yeah, like, yeah. it's just the way that I think, I don't know if it's right or wrong, I don't know <laughs> if I'm right or I don't know, it doesn't matter actually, but I, I value that, and I think this is a kind of like an art that uh, should be you know, more prominent and out there, and you know, hopefully people will get more into it, in my opinion. Uh, I'd love to see more people playing on these boxes than a bunch of kids with laptops, simple yeah. as, and maybe one of few of those people will see these videos or end up looking at one of my videos on YouTube or actually even take it further and buy it and buy the album and then you get to hear how I did it or whatever. And maybe, you know, you'll use those tricks. He or she will use those tricks mm -hmm. in other stuff. Uh, uh, and, and also, you, you said a very interesting thing that it would demystify it. I'm kind of like on the opposite thing, opposite way. It's like the more I know about the music, the more it gets interesting how it was made. Um, I'm kind of on that side um, and that was kind of like how it got me into music when I was listening to Orbital on cassette back in the day cassettes. Um, I was always thinking how they were making this music I was even thinking oh is it whatever you know and the more I found out about it the more I got into it and the more I appreciated the music it's like oh damn they're actually connecting all this gear and they have to record it and they have to perform it and you have to know this stuff it's uh, yeah yeah, I, 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 I totally hear what you're saying, but I, I guess it's also, um, if you are explaining to people how you did it, it only only further um, kind of proves that it's a very individual approach and that it's, uh, yeah. that actually the thing behind it is, is, an, is an art or an artistic um, drive rather mm -hmm. than just, um, you know, just cold technology or whatever you would call it, mm -hmm. you know? Like, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I think everybody who's listening to this and watches the Knob Twillers has a big fascination for how it's done, you know, that's why that's why we talk yeah. about it. Um, you know, like, there's nothing as good as, you know, nerding out over studio techniques and, and tricks and stuff like that, you know, it's, uh, it's just amazing. But, um, but at the same time, 
um, it's uh, uh, it shows that even if you explain it, it doesn't mean it can be copied or it can be uh, oh, you know that, that aspect is um, <laughs> and even even uh, if it can, it's useless. You know what I mean? It's useless yeah. to to. I, I would put it this way: it's like I don't think I would be able to tell somebody to exactly do it the way that I'm. I, I I can't. I could only show and talk about it, and it's up to them to take the information and pull it further. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I would even say that. Yeah, it's um, it's just like opening the door that I can show you the door. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit like Morpheus in Matrix. Yeah. that's where you can try to copy it. Um, sure, you can actually. You can copy some of the tricks on the Octatrack, which the yeah, Octatrack is a very strange beast in that way. Um, even few of my fans come over and will live on the machines. They say, oh, I never thought of using it like that. <laughs> you know, I see it in their eyes that they're just like, oh, wow, you know, it's time travel type of thing. <laughs> um, so those tricks, yeah. Then, then you send them the royalty. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I, think it's, so, I, I think it's so great. It's like, you know, more people, I believe, you know, you really want to inspire people, mm-hmm. younger people to do, to get into it. And yes. I think that's really great. It's about educating and not like, mm-hmm. I really don't like when people won't share no, uh, what they're doing. Yeah. I think it's like, that's not what the community needs. We need to be inspired mm-hmm. and supported and not like, I'm not going to show you. It's just, it shows insecurity. If you're not willing to like, just put it out there. It's, I don't know. I think it's, yeah, it's really like, cool. like, like it. when, when DJs uh, sticker their, the labels of their records. Oh, God. <laughs> don't get me started. That's so lame. Yeah. Share the music. You know what I mean? It's about all of us. It's about a community. And it's like, why do you think you don't own that record unless you made it? then it's not yours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, I mean, I really in, in, a, like in a sense, if, if you are the one that really knows that record and, and drops it, that always drops it at the right time, the right moment, you, in, in, a, in a way, kind of own the record, you know? So I suppose. I do understand. I do understand. No, no, no. But I'm, what I'm saying is that it doesn't really make sense to then just uh, stick at the label because uh, anybody else who would get their hands on the record would use it in a totally different way. Right. So, yeah. you know, unlike you, um, and wouldn't be, you know, would not get away with it or something, you know? Right. So it's, yeah. Uh, and it's it's very very true for for you know life setups as well you know you can mm-hmm. I mean if 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 I give you my life setup and I and I get yours you know what I mean it would be completely different what what yeah. would come out of it you know it's the same mm-hmm. instrument but it would be used in a totally different way yeah, yeah. totally mm-hmm. yeah it's really not precious music. your mind is what's valuable not the what's in front of your not yeah, your tools totally. yeah so yeah in yeah, that sense I, I i agree with all of you that it's um it is it basically it's just a matter of encouraging other people rather than um um showing tricks that you know they can copy or whatever because eventually you know that's what that's what you want you know people doing their own thing with it mm-hmm. yeah, and they will have to because otherwise it, it doesn't become your music i don't think yeah, that doesn't, doesn't have a value. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's one of the things with hardware is that yeah, you have to do it. Um, I find it a bit different than working on computers. Yeah, you just have to click the mouse. It's just like safe, same as surfing the web. I don't want to dismiss music <laughs> on a computer, no. But um, in my subjective experience, is like yeah, it's, it requires much less. Um, 
feeling or much less. I don't know. It's um, what do you mean? It's more scientific like that, or less less intuitive? Is that what you mean? Yeah, it's hard to explain because everybody's going to have a different uh, experience with this. Mm-hmm. But in my case, it's uh, I find it like just not creative at all, and that's totally like blocking it in a way. So like, oh, I have to draw this stuff with a mouse and yeah. I think I think I think you know what you mean because in mm-hmm. theory you could you could do everything that um, a hardware instrument could do. You could set your computer up to do the same thing, yeah. if you, especially if you assign some MIDI controllers or you know. But um, yeah, it yeah, you just could doesn't even make an Octatrack too, like that. Yeah, yeah. To, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't. Uh, you know, having a relationship with a box or with an instrument is always more focused in a way, you know, because, um, you know, you have a tiny, usually a very small screen and, uh, you know, you're more, much more focused on the hands-on controls mm-hmm. and, you know, your muscle memory. So you're, you're flowing a bit more than if you're seeing everything displayed in front of you on a, on a screen. And it tends to be more time-consuming to work on a screen. I think I'm, I'm a bit. Uh, I mean, I like, I like, I like working. I like, I like using computers for what they're good at. You know, like uh, the things that are exclusively possible to do there. You know, like you have shitloads of hard disk space you can use as a recorder, or you know, you can fine-tune mixes and stuff like that. But if, if it comes to performance, I would rather, much rather, cho- choose uh, hands-on uh, instruments. Yeah. And I really value the, the interaction, the, especially the eyes as well. And when you're hearing and working on sounds, I think the eyes are really a part of it too. And especially if you're like looking at a machine that is like flashing these lights every time, the kick and the hi-hat and the snare is coming. I think at that time there's something happening in the artist's brain. And that is just pure inspiration and pure buzz energy to actually oh, yeah. make that music. Uh, I think this is a very important part, uh, and maybe this is maybe one of those reasons why we still buy hardware and still get fascinated by it. It's that uh, human interaction, and mm-hmm. when you are giving stuff to, giving information into it, it gives you more back. On a computer, yeah, it's the same as surfing the web, like I'm saying. It's interaction is very, like, straight, static, you know, it's, yeah, not interesting. Mm. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. respond to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> of course, you can have moving graphics, right? You can have all these jumping waveforms and uh, docking effects. Mm. You could have your screen flash red every time you go to the basement <laughs> if you want. I don't know. I performed with both computers and, and hardware. I find both interesting in their own way. I think it's more what you gel with yourself in the end. Like, I don't think anyone gives a fuck what you use on stage, really, besides the people who are also into it. Um, But then, of course, there is, like, a lot of fetishization today about, like, gear, and that's supposed to be a part of it. But also, I wonder if, like, in a few years or decades, people will be like, well, look at that person. They're only playing with a laptop. So I'm just gonna say that because cool. now, well, now the oh, that's is, so cool. It's retro. No, I don't think in a retro sense, but I think more in like because in some way I just wonder when like this whole doll stuff is so prevalent and people are so relying on like 
like my live performance must be hardware. That's like what people expect. But I wonder if there's going to be some counterculture that's going to be like, no, oh, I'm just going to use the laptop. Like I just got my Max MSP patch and the, like the 2000s. Because, you know, everything yeah. revolves always. It will. So, it definitely will. You know, I think maybe, like, I, I don't know. I think the tactility is always going to be there mm-hmm. and it's always going to be drawing all the people in. But I don't know. I think both are interesting. Yeah, I think my opinion on that is that I think it's better to use one or the other. Like, I've seen really great performances that are, like, only with laptop and controllers. And so I feel like the... It also depends because a lot of the time people use the computer as, like, a safety net or they think it's a safety net to have something to fall back on, but it ends up interfering with your actual live set and being a distraction and so that's, I think that it's really, yeah. you've got to be really careful about how you use it. If As long as you're not using it as something to fall back on, I think is yeah. the key. If you can yeah, incorporate it in another way. It. Yeah. It yeah. seems like a nightmare See, to try and juggle those things, especially live. Like, studio alone is annoying to have computer. Yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> like, good, and that's like, ugh. <laughs> I see that go wrong very often yeah. in a live set. Not yeah. in the middle. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, I just saw something about. Um, I think it was the electron machines being techno orientated. Yeah, yeah. That's well, true. I yeah, there was this thing. Um, maybe Sander can look it up. But um, anyway, I would say that is the the thing that happens uh, to not only electron gear but with a lot of stuff. You know, like yeah, here we go. Um, you. Yeah, this is, this is for uh, data line and S. I just don't think the sequence is great for a lot, yeah, a lot of other stuff. It needs to, the you need to work a there. lot more to make other stuff than techniques. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just <laughs> a... Uh, <laughs> so this is like, I make more not techno, and it's always hard. I, I usually, honestly, program mel- I plug program mel- melodies in, in Ableton Live, and then I record it into my electric machines, because they're just horrible to make melodies on. <laughs> um, so yeah, don't ask me. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's just my opinion. But like, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very. It's like a locked grid. It's like sixteen steps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, steps four four, and then off peaks, and yeah. then off you go. And it's like you can just put in random steps, and it will make sense. Depends <laughs> on your mind state. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, cool. I think that's one of the reasons. It's like it's a very. I think it's very. In some graffiti, graffitication when it comes to techno type of repetitive electronic music. And I, I said it all try making hip hop on that. You have to do the micro timing and all the stuff, and you can't even do it on the machine gun, for example. If I'm talking about electron gear specifically. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So, I yeah. think I think uh, there, you know, it happens with uh, with everything that has a that works with a grid. You know, like even mm-hmm. with uh, with software sequences. You know, it's like a the thing that the the environment um, doesn't really demand you to do, but kind of uh, is the first thing that is uh, uh, I don't know. It's it's like it, yeah. It's, let me find the words. I don't. I can't <laughs> find the words. But it's like if you if you have something which is clearly divided in blocks, you know. Um, if if you don't have any imagination. The first thing you would resort to is to kind of go by the blocks, you know, by the by this by the by the grid or the, uh, you know, make it rigid. I don't know. It's um, 
it's something that I, I always try to get away from, but um, <laughs> I can mm. imagine that happens, you know, when you first get your hands on a, on a machine. Mm. I don't know. It's not, I, I think it's true for almost all uh, gridded environments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yes. Yeah. But I wonder if it's also like a cultural thing, like what, what the, the people who might gravitate towards making techno find fascinating to use like it feels like it's more like box oriented like with a little sequencer because then like you have quick access to this stuff i don't know well you know if if you make, hand, if you if you enter something ex exactly on the grid like a 4-4 thing it very quickly sounds like something you know yeah it's like hey <laughs> yeah i don't know um, okay, another one from Eric uh, to SNK. <laughs> oh wow, this is our uh, my Wait. ex coworker. Uh, okay, this is Eric who writes the manuals for Electrum and uh, makes great uh, sounds for the gear and uh, general great human being who I miss. Yeah, um, something from your barbershop project that you've been working on together. No. <laughs> he should have said that. He leaked it. Eric, what are you doing? Oh, yeah. That was the Eric. new force device. Yeah. The barbershop uh, auto, the AI barbershop generator. Yeah, exactly. God damn it. Everybody's going to have the data line hairstyle. He <laughs> <laughs> leaked it, man. Yeah. So wow. you either can be bold with a sellout. Yeah. Or S hairstyle. Two <laughs> options. You got S or data. But, yeah. 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 Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We don't have a secret barbershop project. No, actually, I'm I can't ask wish we did. What wow. is it now? Yeah, yeah. yeah, we should maybe. We should maybe Such try. Such a prank. Can you see much? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Does the yeah, new Electron stuff still come with a paper manual? No. Does it? I don't know. A quick start? Yeah, a quick start. Yeah, has a little. No, not a paper one. Probably it's not. It's just, I think it comes with a small getting oh, started okay. thing. I have the, yeah. the, the machine drum and the oh, the oh, mono the machine, the binder, yeah. So maybe he could sign it for me, Eric. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, no, he, he came in, uh, I think the first he worked on was Digitech. Yeah, maybe Digitech or Digitone. Yeah. Well, that's okay. He's yeah. still a legend. Yeah, before that we had the... Um, uh, well, yeah. No, the... Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, Stan. Stan, of course. Yeah, shout out to that guy. Yeah, shout out to him. But yeah, the, the binder manuals you mentioned, uh, I think they're so cool. Uh, I really yeah. like them. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The track had that well. yeah, 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 one of the first manual. of the tracks had the, the binder manual. Yeah, and you're just now, in bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but now it's, uh, it's PDFs, and I'm pretty sure they don't come with it. So I think it's, yeah, uh, get, it's get a shame. Started. It's a shame. It's, it's an improvement, this technology, you know? A, I don't know if it's an improvement, man. I mean, there's, there's, I, I, I don't, there's something it's cheaper. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a lot cheaper. It's, it's not a lot cheaper. For me. But I mean, it's it's both a lot cheaper, and it's also um, because of there is like movement in what the machines can do. So you know, you oh, will right, have revisions to edit the manuals, easier. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like. Yeah, there's something to say about, you know, just uh, sitting on the couch with a cup of tea and your yes. machine in front of you, have the manual um, open mm -hmm. and just go through it step by step just to get, yeah. you know, 
maybe you know, you know you only have to do it once really you know to get through the whole thing i guess but mm. it is a nice ritual i think you know to get yeah. no i go back to so it all important. the time yeah. because yeah. you can't take it in at once and then you're just like well let me see and then there's with with manual especially the paper manual i feel like there's so much stuff that i would just never think to do mm. until i find out that i can do it and i'm mm. like oh well that's what a good idea. I never thought to even want to do that, but now that I can, I'm going to yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Who wants to today sit down and read an improved PDF? Right, I exactly. Mean, yeah. So therefore, uh, you said one uh, important point. is like on a paper manual, you end up reading the stuff that you may skip out when you're browsing yeah. through the PDF. Exactly. Oh, it's got those features, and then you, you just flick through it. Yeah, So exactly. I think uh, reading a book is definitely the, the way I it. That's, as technology improves. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I used to read them in PDF form when I was a kid, like the machine to my mono machine, yeah. like page to page a bunch of times. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but that's... And you can down. I download them <laughs> on my Kindle, so. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the same. yeah. It's everywhere. Available yeah. everywhere. <laughs> that's how that's how cool I am reading my manuals on my Kindle. Oh, that's, I know I'd well, have that's... a good time. <laughs> Woo! <Pretty> cool. <laughs> Superstar DJ. <laughs> yeah. But those old manuals, yes, very good. Yeah, I still I have them. Yeah, I got a whole uh, um, a section in 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 the studio with all the old manuals of all the gear. I, I got nice. most of them. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's really nice. Very yeah. Um, I never really uh, look into them though, but um, for for the electron stuff, it's a good idea to at least yeah. uh, have a go <laughs> once. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Especially for the Octa track, that's like a bible almost, or yeah, yeah another another holy book. Mm. So, so. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read it. I love my Octatrack. I wish I had a full printed manual. Well, they're out there. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that was on the first runs. Um, I think it changed later on. There was no. So let's uh, switch back to making music. Um, we often get um, uh, the question how do you start? And, and I often. I think most people, or not most people, but a lot of people start with the kick. And uh, I, I can't imagine, uh, <laughs> I mean, I've talked about this a, a few times on, on the podcast, but I never start with the kick because, you know, um, you never know what's coming next. And does the kick, I mean, even, even working on a kick in the beginning of a track doesn't make sense because you don't know what it's you know in what context it will be you know what what it's supporting basically so um what is what is your your um usual starting point is it sound experimentation or do you actually write out a rhythm or what is what is your um, your process usually um maybe start with s well um these days i don't use i, I don't make much music right now i was starting because I've been so focused on making the synths, and then I, um, some months ago, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to make some music today. And then I started making a synthesizer for that, (laughs) which is a really bad way to do it. Don't do that. But when I actually make music, I start with the melody, Um, usually. I like a good melody. And starting with a kick drum, I guess, yeah, it has 
it's happened when making techno, I guess, or whatever, but that seems hard. Or like a bit unnecessary. Maybe you can do that later when you need it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or, or, you know, it makes sense, as you say, I think. Like, you can leave it for later when you know where you want to hit. So melody, do you do you uh, just get a keyboard and and uh, try chords and stuff like that, or do, are you writing um, step by step? What is the what is the process I there? I rarely do chords actually. I well, um, or generative even maybe. Is it? No, I don't like that stuff. <laughs> well, your 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 sequencer has a has a sort of generative aspect to it. If, if yeah, uh, yeah, it's more algorithmic, if I may. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> no, but uh, it, um, no, I don't really compose that much with process in that sense. Uh, I'd like to just kind of... Um, I'd like to make a melody... I guess I start with a sound sometimes. Have like something to start with. Um, and then kind of go off on that tangent. Um, what was I going to say? But yeah. Um, uh, I don't really do any generative stuff. I like kind of the process of, of finding like a melody that really hits you because it's like, and that's something I think you can kind of train a little bit. Cause like a few, many years back, I felt like I couldn't really write a good melody and I started like trying and it was kind of like finding your voice or whatever. It's like, you know, you kind of start expressing yourself, um, in that way and then I just found myself enjoying that a lot so I just kept trying to like find you know sort of I wanted to go that like have a sort of uh, sound to it and just trying to explore where to go with that um, you know and I enjoy that process a lot um, yeah. so the sound the, the the quality of the sound or the nature of the sound would that be leading in what kind of melody uh, you would eventually write with it or uh, yeah sometimes yeah yeah of course uh, I mean that's also a very important aspect of things uh, I think <laughs> the point where I enjoyed making stuff the most was like when I was working with my MC202 so oh, you know, I would, I would yes. kind of play on that keyboard find like a nice melody and try to program that in <laughs> <laughs> which I love that process because when you found a melody and tried to program it in, you basically lost it. But then you try to rediscover it, and it's a nice process. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I, with, I like to have a keyboard, but it can't be like a regular keyboard. <laughs> it's right. something freaky like the 202. Yeah, and yeah. The, so the it's two, a game, you know. The 202, yeah, exactly. It's it's um, it it really makes you commit to to whatever you are doing. There's yeah. because it's uh, it's you know to say the least not so fluid the process of programming a two two o two, and um, so you you are kind of struggling against its limitations, which makes you even focus more on on uh, you know getting your idea done. Basically, the thing mm-hmm. you just discovered is. Isn't, yeah, I mean, these things are notoriously hard to program, you know. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great sequencer, but, but yeah. the interface is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they, they have that screen, man. I mean, yeah. How much no, information it, is there? Yeah. But it, I mean, you can do very complex stuff with it. I mean, I, yeah. I guess some engineer somewhere was like, hey, we should be able to program like this. Because, like, in the manual, they're like, or like, I think it's a CB303 manual where the manual is like, Here's how you program the TV 303. 
first you take this sheet music and then you enter it yeah. on your synthesizer. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Great. Like, oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the tip. <laughs> yeah, draw the rest of the fucking owl or the rest of the meme. <laughs> yeah. No, but, uh, yeah. So, Colleen, what comes first when you write something? Is it the kick or is it... Uh, no, it's no, never it's never the kick uh, or the percussion. I'm I, trying I to... It. You already know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All that is... Uh, I'm trying to get much better at my percussion because... Because I just love um, all the techno that I like is super lead focused, and so that's the most. That's what when I started learning how to make techno, that's what I wanted to learn. So it's kind of like whatever it is you want to learn out of like, well, how does that work? That seems I think will always be what you pay most attention to if you're really interested in like the frequencies of if kick drums, really boomy kick drums, or you know, percussion. If that's what gets you into techno, then that's what you're going to focus on. I feel like for me, it was always lead um, arpeggios. And I actually started, now I've started to write pads independently of tracks. And also I'll write a track, like a lead pattern. And then I'll write a bunch of like pad sequences in a separate session. And then I'll try to bring them together. And that's pretty, pretty fun actually okay. doing that. So, and making, so making these pad independently from everything else what do you mean you you build like libraries of stuff yeah exactly yeah i have a session where i'm just building pads and melodies as a synth um like um yeah like soundscape kind of things and Mm -hmm. very epic kind of things and then i will bring them to my four four boxed in little setup and then try to somehow mix those two things together so that it's all, you know, none of it's like the pad is going everywhere because it's written in a different mindset. So I like those two things, bringing those two things together. So Mm. that's what I've been doing a lot of these days. So so do you really separate those jobs, like building the sounds and building the banks uh, from actually using them? Because I tend to get impatient with that, you know. If I'm building like a, a drum kit or like a, something to add to my library, uh, I do that often, you know. But um, somewhere along the way, I'm like, "Wow, this sounds great!" And then I, I, you know, lose my <laughs> lose my discipline, <laughs> and I go straight straight off in making music with it. <laughs> like I have a, I have a lot of unfinished drum kits, you know, because I started yeah. playing with them before they were pre- they were finished. <laughs> Forget that job. This is more fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boring. Uh, <laughs> Only when it comes to like um, atmospheric pads, this is the thing, and um, those are the thing. That's the thing I like to separate because my mindset in working with that is so free of the the four four uh, that mixing the two together at the same time. I feel like limits my ideas with atmospheric melody and stuff so it's helpful for me to keep those separate so it's Mm -hmm. like a different yeah just a different mindset a different feeling to get epic like you know like it's because like then you get into the then it just ruins it (laughs) yeah yeah but then then when you bring it together then it's amazing so yeah and what about you chank because um since you are using a lot of hardware you must also have 
time slots you dedicate to building sound banks and collecting samples, right? Or is it? Uh, I've only been doing that lately <coughs> for oh, really? reasons, um, making sound banks. But um, when it comes to music making, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, I always start with music, uh, melody, I'd say. Um, uh, and my favorite way to start is the OP1. Um, the sequencer in that, the sequencers in that, not only one. They always give me a lot of nice ideas to maybe build something with it. But that's kind of like a very sequenced approach. Um, some other times that I sit in front of the keyboard, uh, like the digiton keys or whatever is lying around, the base station is very good for that too. Um, so yeah, it's, it's mainly with the melodies I start with. Hmm. And in terms of like sound banks and stuff, samples, yeah, it's, um, it's really, yeah, whatever is there, whatever is popular type of thing. It's, um, I always find random sounds, an old preset that I did years ago, or maybe an old pattern that I did. Yeah, actually, I was doing that recently, pulling out the old electron machines, the Mark ones, and looking at the patterns and, oh, that melody is very nice. I'll just take that out put it into a new machine, and then start composing it. And, uh, so it's, um, yeah, whatever I get my hands on. And that's something that I notice in myself, is that I don't start from scratch. I always try to find existing material and then bend it into something new, that I really enjoy doing that, changing the feeling. What do you mean, existing material? Would it be uh, samples you find from records or...? or? Um, existing material is that I made on the machines. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, yes, okay. my previous works, uh, stuff like that. Um, yeah, for sampling records, yeah, that's... A, I'll demis... Uh, I, 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 I have um, these Japanese vinyls that I sample from sometimes. Oh, Simon Cousel. We are... Our friend in Japan, um, yeah. So he he got me these really nice Japanese samples that I will sample from. That's the only time that I actually sample music. Mm. I always sample my own creations, like for example in the Amiga setup. That's uh, a lot of times I do that. I make stuff on the Octa track. I sample it in there, and I even like run it multiple times. Resample, resample. Uh, yeah. So it's pretty much digging for good stuff that I've done or I can do now and it usually starts with the melody yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so do you do you have some kind of uh, uh, arc, not an archive but index in your head of, of all the all the stuff you've done if life, like for example you need like a, a certain type of bass sound do you, do you have this ready in your your arsenal like uh, ah maybe I can go to this one or, or that one no it's no Okay. It's uh, I always find a new bass sound or whatever sound it is needed. <laughs> um, yeah, that I do, usually do. One trick that I do, especially this applies to the electron boxes, is use the existing patterns. Oh, that sounds nice. Copy and paste. Delete the pattern. Make something new. Twist the thing, and it's going to sound good anyway because you're using your ears and your imagination to change something else. And that's kind of the beauty of uh, these, this electronic music making, is that you can take anything and twist it to your own liking, which, you know, comes to really, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that yeah, it allowed sampling and it brought that culture and history into the, the music side of things because of the electronic side. But yeah. Um, yeah, I, 
I am not organized. I think that's the way that I can put it. No, we're very disorganized, but I can also be very organized when I'm working on a project that, yeah, I need to have it multi-tracked and, oh, I may need to change the kick at the end. They may have to tell me to change that, you know. That I can do, but I, I don't enjoy it. That's not my artist side. That's just work side, so it's funny, funny you say that because I, I would have expected you were really organized <laughs> for some reason. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> no, because it's, it's just no, because the thing is, you know, the, the way you work uh, the machines, it just seems so effortless. So it, it sounds or it looks like you, you have like all the stuff uh, prepared really well, you know, or it's not, uh, it's not power, it's not, it's, not, it's not prepared, it's very lamely prepared, it's almost like. Oh, it's even better. Glued, <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yep, totally. Um, awesome. I would even be surprised with myself, like, gosh, I should have been prepared more. But I just do it. That uh-huh. happened many times. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm sorry to disappoint you in that sense. <laughs> I'm not even disappointed in myself now. Yes. <laughs> No, it was just, I don't know, it's just uh, an impression I got, you know, because I think I'm uh, disorganized. Uh, and when I see other people uh, work, you know, and they clearly seem to be uh, knowing really well what they're doing, I think, hmm, yeah, they, they must be much more prepared than I am. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I think they I just practice so hard and they're somehow in tune with what they're doing. Uh, yeah. yeah that, that's one thing I can relate to. In myself, when people say that, oh, you know, you work so fast with these machines, it's very fluid. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there has been times uh, in England when using the machine on the first time and the mono machine. I mean, just endless hours of, you know, not sober using that machine it led to, you know, weird muscle memory uh, reallocations in the memory in the brain. I can honestly feel that uh, today and, and remember it. That was happening at the time. And then came the Octatrack and then came the history. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's you know, it's basically it comes down to really knowing your instrument. It's like practicing mm-hmm. on a piano, you know. Yes. If you, if you're it's the same thing, you know, learning your instrument is is just making the barrier disappear uh between your intuition, your mind and uh, uh what comes out, I guess. Yeah. Redneck Discotheque. I love that name. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's such a good one. It's almost <laughs> like a game. Redneck it's Redemption. a good logo, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, what percentage of Cheng's live show is rehearsed versus improv? I think you already kind of touched upon that in the beginning, yeah. right? So I, maybe. Uh, percentage wise, I'd say like nowadays it's uh, 50 50, uh, maybe 60% uh, improvisation. Yeah. Right. So it's like the backbones are set and then fly with it. Uh, from Simon or Simon Halsberger is there anything in the new expressive controller that would catches your interest that would catch your interest yes what, what, sorry what, what, what are we talking about expressive controller what's, the, what's that yeah it's MPE um, what, what is it MIDI polyphonic oh yeah MPE oh, yeah. Right. okay okay so yeah, that sure. each note has mm, yeah. properties to it basically sure I just got a sense of morph um, maybe it ties into whatever I'm doing next. Um, so I've certainly been digging into that quite a bit. I think it's quite cool. Um, it's much cooler than I thought. Uh, like being able to put your hands on something and each finger can kind of control emotion in the sound. 
Do you have um, a, an, in, an input device that uh, that works with MPE, a Roly or something? Yeah, we, I have I actually have this right here. Yeah, yeah. I brought it. Uh, this is. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a uh, sensomorph. Yeah. It's like a little rubber type deal. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been playing around with this lately. Yeah, it's basically, just cool. it's like a bootleg controller, but it's just licensed. Yeah. It's basically just um, a big pad. It's a big mouse pad, essentially. But <laughs> and it tracks nice. your your movement. Um, so you said you said it was cooler than you thought it would be. What is yeah. what is this? What is what is the thing that surprised you then? What is the well, I guess well, I guess you've all seen the Roly stuff. The seaboard, and you know, it's, it's typically play, played with a type of uh, type of sound, type of music, maybe. Where it's like, oh, we can make this sound like an electric guitar, and then it kind of doesn't, but you know, almost. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, which I mean, I'm sure we've offended thousands of people now, and I'm sorry. And that's not, of course, all it's used for. But it's it's a lot of that thing where you can introduce a more organic style of playing, which is cool. But to me, it's kind of like I don't know, you know, uh, I don't really play stuff that much. But I think having that control on each of your fingers, kind of being able to like be a pressure control some parameter, and like it's like sort of having an LFO or being the LFO yourself if you want to like draw a, sort of a, to someone who mostly uses little boxes that does that stuff for you. It's kind of cool to interact with. Um, I'm not sure how I would will would use it in my own music, but for something like playing a pad, I think it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it really, you know, the... You have the temporal aspect of playing something. You can vary the pitch or the timbre per know over time very finely and kind of direct the sound yourself which is super cool hmm. yeah. nice one cool yeah. um actually uh i just got i just watched the clock and it's already we've already been talking for two hours so uh, oh, fast. <laughs> time goes fast yeah, yeah it's crazy um so maybe i'll take the opportunity to say to the people who are watching this on YouTube and Twitch to throw any sort of urgent last-minute questions uh, in the comments uh, now, and then uh, I'll move on to the last bit, uh, which is ah, okay. This is which uh, is that? This is, this is it. <laughs> usually, usually we give everybody like a um, uh, an opportunity out, to announce whatever they want to talk about. You know, mm -hmm. like something they want to promote or plug uh, current projects, stuff like that. So maybe Colleen. What's <laughs> anything in the pipeline for you? Well, I have a remix coming out on Friday uh, for Ellen Alien. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it was just so great. Such a good, like, uh, just a legendary female. <laughs> so that's coming out sure. Friday. Friday, yeah. And I'm um, doing a... On, actually, I'm doing a... I guess workshop or class about something we touched on here about how to, um, you know, a guide to uh, developing a live set. So that's oh, going to cool. be in two weeks. Um, so and I where can people find um, uh, to how to join that? 
This, uh, just check my social media, follow me on Instagram (laughs) and Twitter, follow me on Twitter, (laughs) follow me on TikTok. Yeah. Just kidding. (laughs) If you follow my social media, we'll, uh, give all the details. So that'll be fun. That sounds sounds great. Yeah. It'll be fun. And, uh, so, and then, more music coming out that I can't talk about, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, I'm not at liberty to say just yet. So, okay. Lots of well, music. Awesome. Well, yeah. definitely uh, keeping a, keeping an eye out for that. Um, cool. Thanks. Um, S, anything you want to promote? Anything you want to make people aware of? Yeah, buy my stuff. Yeah, fair it's, enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good, I've heard. Yeah, no, um, yeah, I'm gonna keep making stuff. Uh, you know, just would love everyone to check it out. It's Max for, mostly Max for Live platform I'm focusing on. Um, and just kind of keep doing that and some dropping some new cool stuff. Any, any plans um, to make your stuff available outside of the Max for Live uh, domain um, at some point? Yeah, sometimes, uh, but it's it's um, it's not a one-person undertaking. Currently, right. I develop everything myself. So, okay, yeah, um, but yeah, hopefully. Um, but it's 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 a much bigger thing than than making a max for advice. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine. Anyways, yeah. well, I'll definitely uh, I would definitely encourage people to have a look at the force.fm website. This f o r s dot f m. Um, and, and check yeah, out, and check we out do those like, instruments. We do sliding scale on our prices, so if anyone is like broke, just hit us up. Ooh, don't say that. Everybody's well, broke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's too broke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it's good. It's good that you have a policy in place for that. That's great. Yeah, it's, well, uh, it's very, very policy. good. It's more an honor system. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, well, yeah. Everybody, have a look there. It's uh, it's really great stuff. Um, Cool. Well, um, Cenk, anything we can expect from you? Anything you want to promote? Um, um, yeah, there's going to be some stuff on the Data Line channel in the coming times. Um, <clears throat> uh, one thing I could say is that I'm really excited towards the end of the year that I'm looking forward to. And uh, yeah, let's see how that works out. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> 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 You know, okay. life is like a completion of circles. They go around and around and they intervene with each other. And then they lead to somewhere. <laughs> That's so deep. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay, well, thanks, um, Colleen. Thanks, S. And thanks, um, Cenk, for, for joining us. Thank you. Um, it was really interesting to get a, an in, inside uh, information about uh, your your processes and everything uh i think i'll uh, just end with saying uh check out our um patreon page um i'm actually very late delivering this month's sound pack because it became like a frankenstein massive uh <laughs> undertaking <laughs> but uh it's coming it's coming very soon and um and we have a discord server where we uh, hang out after these chats and uh, during the week uh talking more nerdy stuff uh about gear making music and uh uh, you know, uh, being in being electronic musicians. So have a look at the Discord server. Sander should be posting all the links in the 
uh, in the comments and it's also under the video so um, have a look there it would be nice to see you there um, so thanks again friends thanks Colleen thanks S and thanks thank you Cenk thank you thanks very much and um, thanks for the people who watched on YouTube and Twitch and see you next time bye everyone <laughs>